Hello, the internet, and welcome to this episode of the Weekly Zeitgeist. Uh, these are some of our favorite segments from this week, all edited together into one uh, nonstop infotainment laugh extravaganza. Uh, yeah. So, without further ado, here is the Weekly Zeitgeist. Well, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by one of the faces on Mount Zeitmore. He is the hilarious, the talented Mr. Billy Wayne Davis! He's shooting guns in the air. Six should not be good for your house. Uh, how's it going, man? There's already there's already holes. Nice. Uh what's good, man? How are you? Everything's all right. I mean, it's not all right, yeah. but it is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything uh, what's is. A, what's a small victory you had recently? I'm in good shape. Okay. Physically. Hey, look at you. You also got a mustache going a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, I it's don't know dope. if that's a victory. I don't know if that's <laughs> for winning. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely seeing like what baseball playing Billy Wayne Davis looks like when you have that mustache. Oh, man, I couldn't grow shit when I was playing ball, so it was... It was mostly I would just like grow my hair out when I could, and then I would shave it, and that oh, would right. be the change. Got nice. it. And then people are like, "Oh, he's he's crazy." <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> he's a real um, card. That one. How's the baby? Everything good? Yeah, everything's good. I've yeah, it's it's weird. Do you know what I mean? And we're like trying to figure everything out, but I miss touring. Not even the performing. I don't, that's the thing I've realized. Like, I don't have to be on Zooms and doing shit like that to be like, hey, I tell jokes and look at right. me. Like, that's been a very relieving part of this for me. It was like, oh, I don't have to do that part. I can write or be on podcast or do whatever and get that. But like the traveling part, like, I really meant, like, that's part of me that I didn't realize, like, oh, I have to go be moving. Yeah. Right. Is it like the a, like because you feel sort of constrained, or it's more like the stimulation of traveling is what you miss? Yeah, it's not constrained. I like it being at right. home. I have like that's what it, that was never a problem. Even before quarantine, my wife would have to be like, "Hey, you need to leave the house." And I'm like, oh. <laughs> right. You mean I got my little room? I'm good. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Got all my but yeah, stuff. Yeah. Just getting the getting on a plane, new places. The air smells different. Eat something. Yeah, and then it's just a nice reminder. First of all, it makes things real. Mm. They, I, I, they. Well, we we went to for the grown local podcast, my cannabis podcast. We just went to Humboldt for three or four days. We took a lot of precautions, but it it helps. That it's tough to get there, so even the virus was like, ah, there's a couple of us up there, but we don't like to talk. <laughs> <about them." laughs> like, yeah, we don't like them that bad, <laughs> but. Like, even being up there, it was just like, my friend had never, our, one of our producers had never been up there, and he just kept going, like, it's magical. And I was like, well, keep in mind, it's just mostly trees, so you're getting, like, a ton of oxygen for the first time, so you feel <laughs> right, high. Right, yeah. Wow. It is magical, yeah. but that's that, that other feeling that you have is just, like, you're breathing what you're supposed to be breathing. Yeah. yeah. Um, just pure gen, dude. Oxygen. The bar is so low, man. The bar is so it, low. Well, then, like, I got a test as soon as i came back and because you come back to la and immediately you're like you're stopped up and your head kind of hurts and you're just kind of like oh this is do i 
Oh, I don't have it. This is just what breathing is. Okay. Right, right, right. What is something you think is underrated? Getting ready for your day and just not going anywhere. Like, get up, <laughs> wow. get dressed, do your makeup. Hello? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta, you Happen. know, look cute and then show up to your desk, which is right Boom. next to your bed. There you go. There <laughs> you, just, you go. You just rotate in your chair. You're like, yep. I'm ready for work. <laughs> like, there's my commute. Just a quick rotation. Uh-huh. My yeah. commute yeah. is yeah. a 90 degree turn. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was nice. I, I mean, I started putting on clothes I haven't worn on in months. Just for like little things. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to show out at the gas station today. <laughs> I don't care. Mm. Like this, yep. this, I'm surprised this shirt has been sitting here for so long. Uh, and then I also did this thing where I just retired a bunch of clothing where I'm like, well, I'm not going to be wearing a collared shirt in public for a while. So I'm going to put this in a bag that goes in the garage now uh, nice. just so I can. I don't know. But yeah, there is something to giving ourselves those little moments. Like I've, I'm realizing how much the clothing or presentational aspect dimension is coming into like, just giving myself a little bit of pep in my step when I go out versus yeah. before I'm like, look, man, it's a pandemic dude. Like, yeah, my pants are, I'm wearing Ewok print, you know, pajama pants, <laughs> but that's just, it is what it is. I feel like there's like a sleep and th- this is definitely not scientifically accurate, but okay. I wake up so much more if I take a shower. If I don't take a shower, I feel like sleep is like still clinging to my skin and like I'm just like groggy the whole day. I really, really? need that. I need that. Uh, How hot is your studio? Hot shower? Cold shower? No, it medium? doesn't matter. Yeah. But, it, but you know, some shower. people are like, you're like, I need the, you know, some people are like, I need burns when I, I go I in there. I need neither. I need it to just be, there's actually a setting degrees. on our uh, shower that is like, if you press a button, you can go hotter, but like that's, you know, my that's wife really, yeah, my, my wife goes like scorched earth on the shower, yeah. but I just go right at that middle point. Not too hot, not too cold. Yeah. Uh, and it's, uh, it's appropriate for both my two year old and for me. So, uh, that's how, you know, it's, it's pretty, the heat uh, tolerance of a two-year-old. Yeah, yeah. I have the, I have the pain tolerance of a two year old. I do start crying, uh, if it's a little too hot and then my wife has to come in and adjust it down. Uh, but you know, and what I do I- use no tear shampoo. Go ahead. Oh, <laughs> you're like, because it stings. I'm sorry. <laughs> My eyes going to be red all day now. Sarah's like, I don't want ice on it. Sarah's doing a Zoom call with a patient, and I come in out of the shower with just like slather <laughs> <laughs> all over there. <laughs> can't see. No. Have uh, you, Tori, did you like, did you go from not doing your shower, your routine, to suddenly being like, okay, I'm going to begin implementing this, or did you stay pretty consistent? No, I st- I stayed pretty consistent. I I added a cold shower because yeah, it's really hard wow. to like get going. So I do I do this thing where I'll like put on a couple of songs like super super loud and like put the water as cold as it will go, and then I'm just in there for two songs like whatever Damn. it takes. So I'm what just are those powering songs? through. Uh, well, obviously wet ass pussy right now. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just whatever Beyonce, Jadena, whatever I feel yeah. like listening to that morning. Right. So, I just wasn't yeah. sure if like, there's a very specific vibe when you're like, I'm about to go into the frigid water. I need like to just 
But yeah, you just need something Anything you can, you can like, vibe to a little. Anything you can like kind of dance to, yeah. Take you gotta, your mind You got to keep it moving a little bit. Otherwise, you, you're you just going to jump out. <laughs> Interesting. Because in my – see, I'm preparing for just all-out battle. So I'm thinking like, okay, I'm going to listen to DMX's first album, It's Dark and Hell's Hot. And I'm just right. going to be like, ah! You know what I mean? Like just trying to like <laughs> deal with it. But I like your strategy is more like use that energy and yeah. then redirect it to motion. Yeah. I like it. Very philosophical. Mm. Uh-huh. So that's that's what I've that's what I've been doing. But yeah, I never I never really like switched to the like, you know, yoga pants all day, all night yeah. kind of thing. I mean, I did that when my kids were little and you know, yeah. sometimes it's a necessity, but like my kids are bigger now, so I can get dressed and look presentable even if I'm just walking to my Zoom call. Yeah, so. well, I'm mm-hmm. still baby, so Ewok <laughs> pants will never die. <laughs> What's something you think is underrated? Something is underrated. Uh, man, walking. Walking is underrated. I didn't realize I wasn't a walker till the pandemic because I got flat feet. So I can't, I don't like running outside. Uh, but, but I needed some kind of cardio, bro. So I've just been walking in the neighborhood. Usually when I used to see like old people walking, I'm like, man, being old, my mom and dad would used to walk back in the day a lot, all the time. Like I never joined them. But now like walking is just very. It's, it's, it's a bit of a workout and, you know, I get a lot of stuff done. I love making phone calls to friends while I walk. You know, I like grabbing a little Jamba juice. Oh, what flavor? You know, I'll be saying it's hi. It's actually called the, Jamba now, uh, isn't it? Just Jamba? Is this yeah. Jamba? They yeah, we were juice? covering that because they, they wanted to, they didn't want to pigeonhole themselves. They didn't want to corner themselves and they didn't want you to think that oh. it's just Jamba juice there, even though I couldn't tell you. Oh. I mean, I know, I remember I used to work by a Jamba juice and I would go there on my lunch break yeah. and the pretzels were trash. So I just kept it to the fucking juices yeah the pretzels were way too rough the oatmeal is okay. not bad but yeah i don't yeah no disrespect to jamba <laughs> juice i didn't realize my cousin told me they can't <laughs> call it jamba juice because juice. there's no actual juice in it it's like kfc that uh, urban legend from they got hella school. fruits no, they fruits know, are just a disclaimer <laughs> <laughs> that, that's like the urban legend where it was like they have to call it kfc it's because it's not really chicken it's like it's grown in a lab they don't have heads I'm like, all right, right, bro. That's like what your health store mother told you in the early '90s and shit. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm more of like an acai bowl guy. Mm. Yeah, I used to be a mango go go. Oh yeah, go go was my jam. Mm-hmm. I'm a Caribbean passion but, you know, kind of guy. Caribbean passion is nice. You know, that's like for special oh. days. You know what I'm saying? Switch gotcha, it gotcha. up. Mango go go is mm-hmm. consistent. You feel me? That's that's a normal Tuesday right there. But like Caribbean patch, that's a Saturday. That's a weekend spot. Have some vodka in your pocket. Oh, you know <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, a lot. That's oh yeah, like Jamba yeah, daiquiris. Sure. Woo! Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow, now, that now would be something. I would, you know, if like when Vegas, well, Vegas is open already because they don't give a fuck. But like yeah. when people when it goes back to full like full steam. You know how like there's always like those daiquiri bars in like littered all over yeah. Vegas. Like if Jamba just had one that they're like, these will get you fucking Bro. tipped. I prop they would probably have like the biggest line out the back. I think, yeah, one hundred percent. You know it's funny. I, I promise you, somebody at Jamba Corporate right. pitched it and it yeah. was shut down. And like he was so hyped about it too. He got his rest that night. Woke up. Yeah, early. <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah. I'm he had a meditation. I call it Jamba yeah. after dark, and they're like. <laughs> For the no. last time, we're not selling. Out the <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> All right, what about a jackery? It's like no, right? Jamboree, jamboree. Yeah, walking is. I I think people are starting to appreciate walking again. Yeah. I mean, that, that was a big. It was a big thing. I think. 
throughout history. Like I know Ben Franklin was like loved to talk about walking and like how wa- like that was a big revelation in his autobiography was like and people don't understand but walking is really good for you. Most people try to avoid it. Um but then like the jogging craze came around but now I think Something about just getting the fuck out of your house. And also the fact that Paul Rudd said that the way he got into shape for Ant-Man was walking. Uh, No, he didn't. Walking. That's what he said? He said walking was his secret? Yeah. I thought it was CG. Wait, was he like super cut up in that movie? (laughs) Uh, Just like compared to where he was before, I guess. Before. I always just see him as just relatively Paul Ruddish. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know he had that Uh, walker bod. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, walker walking by. Is, <laughs> walker by. <laughs> well it's because like walking like it doesn't really count in your head doesn't count as right, work. Right. so you're working out again that day without even realizing mm-hmm. it you know so i was just missing out we don't realize like how many steps we're missing yeah. um during the quarantine yeah. then you know i started putting on some weight i was like okay i gotta figure out what's going on and i realized i just had me walking right much like i usually would just doing mm-hmm. errands and shit yep. And so, um, yeah, I would just like kind of walk around the neighborhood and like I'll find some things I can do while I walk. Yeah. To kind of, you know, be productive at the same time. Yeah. So, yeah Podcasts, reading books. Out. You can do a yeah. bunch of stuff. Call people Facts. if you are an extrovert, but uh, <laughs> yeah. or I don't know. In Jack's case, you dial the number and you're about to hit send and you're like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I'm going to say. Right. And that's to my mom. <laughs> I don't know what I'll say to her. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> she'll think I'm an idiot. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back. Mariah, we like to ask our guests what is something from your search history? That's revealing about who you are. Yeah. So I think my I looked up my most recent search query and I was looking up the Georgia Institute of Transitional Justice because I was doing a live stream yesterday with a Senate candidate um, here in Georgia who is running on a platform of single payer legal care for all. And so as a part of our discussion of criminal legal reform, I wanted to look up some data on racial disparities and sentencing in Athens, which my friend Avery Murdy with the Georgia Institute of Transitional Justice it's a really good statistical analysis on last year. And so things like the fact that in Athens, um, Hispanics are less likely to get arrested, but more likely to be sentenced to longer confinement. Stuff like the fact that black men are only 13% of the Athens population, but 45% of those sentenced to confinement in state court and 60% of those sentenced to confinement in superior court. Mm. And that black men serve longer sentences than any other demographic group when that data is adjusted for charges faced and defendant criminal history. So even if you've done <laughs> right. similar amount of shit before, and even if you're charged with the same thing as like a white woman or a black woman or a Hispanic man, uh, you're going to get in jail longer. So, uh, you know, that all led us to uh, talking about how a guaranteed quality legal care for all is an important part of disrupting the cycle of mass incarceration. So that's right. kind of what I, that's, that tells you a lot about me, I think. I mean, yeah, I think yeah. for people who are the uninitiated, you are a commissioner in District 2, correct? Yes, that's right. So for two years now, I've served on the athens Clark County Commission, which is akin to a city council in a city of larger size. Um, and so uh, dealing with local ordinances, the way we, you know, make budgets, yeah. uh, all that kind of stuff uh, right here in Athens, GA. 
Yeah, and yeah, yeah. You did not get into that because you were a lifelong like politician. Hell no. Like, <laughs> you come from a dynastic uh, political family. <laughs> right. 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 One you of the uh, ups and uh, you know, yeah, share. One of the Pod Save America right. guys didn't come up to you and go through your phone and check how much donor money you had in your in your phone. Correct. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> if it ever happens, feel free to shoot me in the back of the head because that means I'm over. It's over for me. It's not. I'm, not, I'm out. I'm they out. They got to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But can yeah. you tell us a little bit about how you kind of came to be a commish? Are you yeah. one of the youngest commissioners so I ever? Am, I Well, uh, there was one younger than me before, but fuck okay. him. He was a white dude, whatever. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, whatever. Um, but so I'm the youngest right now. I'm the first openly queer elected official in Athens history as well. Um, but I got into politics. I, I'm a hip hop artist. I'm a rapper. And I started organizing hip hop shows. But through that, you're learning a lot of the skills of like political organizing, getting all people hyped up, getting them, you know, attention wrapped, um, call and response, sharing these stories of struggle. And so I met this cat like through a hip hop show who was running for office at the time and took me on first as his field director, later as campaign manager. And then in the spring of 2018, I decided, fuck it, I'm going to run for office myself hey. because we need a full slate of progressives running in order to achieve the progressive change that we had run on and knocking on doors on telling the city about. Um, in addition to that, in my district, there was a guy who had served before me for 25 years, run unopposed for 25 years, was about to be replaced by like someone he had handpicked mm. Was running unopposed, and I was like, "That ain't democracy, baby." Uh-uh. <laughs> right. So win or lose, win or lose, I was gonna come in there and talk to the people about affordable housing, talk to people about fair free public transportation, and uh, defunding the police back before that was uh, popular. And so, right. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just ran, I just went for it, you know, just as a rapper who like knew other rappers who had been treated unfairly by the police, or couldn't find places to live because of gentrification, or couldn't afford childcare, or making seven. 25 working at Dairy Queen and like thinking about all the problems we talked about in our music and how to alleviate them, not through just organizing culturally, you know, and bringing the community together through music, but actually bringing the community together for policy change. Yeah. That's, so That's I mean, it's just, it's, it's great to hear stuff like that because I think so many people are finding themselves in situations too, where you look at the leadership locally, and you're like, who the fuck are these people? And like, what, why am I surprised that nothing's changing with these people yeah. there? And to, to even, you know, stories like yours of, just how you organically are like, you know what? A leads to B leads to C leads to me in office. I think is a great, uh, just a great like tale and story because I find, you know, I, I, the more people I talk to, even in my own friend group, they're like that idea of being like, dude, like do one of us like have to run or something? Like yes. do people just not <laughs> yes. get it? I'm like, yeah. The, if you even find yes. yourself asking yourself that, that means you've probably looked at who's out there tr- vying for power and it ain't it. It ain't right. it. Yeah. These people aren't that smart you know they might have a lot of money or a lot right. of connections but like they're really not that good at this and no one challenges them so many people run unopposed all the time right and so i advocate all the time like win or lose if you get these ideas out there you raise the bar for what the community expects of their local governance what they you know imagine for the future of their community by pushing uh your challenger the people the incumbents right to actually have a town hall to actually right. listen to the people so there's nothing but you know there's nothing to lose but your ch- Chains, there's everything to gain. Mm. Uh, I better see both of y'all on a ballot. Yeah, up here in Troy right. too. I'm gonna see both of y'all on yeah. a ballot. I swear. LA City Council. Woo! LA City Council. They're gonna come for me, but I'm like, bring it. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, uh, you're not ready for my podcaster mouth in these <laughs> debates. <laughs> 
Uh, what is something you think is overrated, Mariah? So I actually think taking down Confederate monuments is kind of overrated. I mean, okay. and to put it in like not in all contexts, but like specifically, sure. we j- just spent four hundred thousand dollars in Athens to have our Confederate monument relocated, Whoa. and that's not even like destroyed, melted down to make gold coins or something. It was gonna get moved to like a field somewhere. Four hundred thousand dollars that could have instead been spent on like quadruplex for a homeless family or economic development to put like 50 struggling mothers through a CNA program right. could have created countless community gardens. And instead it's like simply to erase the site, the daily reminder when you walk downtown that like the Confederacy is like, right. a, was a thing. It has like, you know, vestiges here today. And so, I mean, if you and your friends go to Lowe's and grab some like uh, chains and some rope, and do it that way. I mean, I ain't gonna be mad at you, but I think there's a lot better things we can spend our money on as local governments than these symbolic gestures of like erasing white supremacy by actually like putting material resources into, into the communities community. that yeah. have been impacted by white supremacy. Then right. like sort of like rehoming uh, like a like a puppy like this, like, well, let's take this Confederate statue to a new like place that's on a right. farm where it can yeah. live out the rest of farm its of days. State. Yeah. Right, right, right. So was the 400,000 like merely just to like remove it, like patch over the, like the disruption of the statue being there or like what was yeah, the cost to relocate and remove it, you know, put it in storage until they can like get it worked out. Like, you know, the new place they're going to put it and then the reassembly of it. Oh my God in its new location piece by piece and then put it back together in that some distant field so, so yeah four hundred thousand dollars infuriating <laughs> like yeah. wh- what is that like Jesus. rodan's the thinker or some shit where they're like well we gotta do so we gotta take right. we gotta make sure i mean this if you're already gonna hate. if you're already gonna agree that it's not it's time has come and no longer has a purpose to have be on public display like going these other efforts also last time i checked you could store a motherfucking sculpture outside right yeah so like, like hey, you never know. You could in a ditch. <laughs> right. the road. So uh, it could get uh, rain on it or the <laughs> the sun. It's like, yeah, that's sort of the bite. Eh, whatever. Okay. So take it out to its field for four hundred K. Yeah. Uh and finally, what is a myth? What's something people think is true you know to be false? Okay, well, here, can I say something serious for this one? Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, please. Okay. Well, um, so one of the questions I get most in my campaign is about uh unhoused people, about people experiencing homelessness. And a lot of people say, oh, I hear from folks that uh, or or I think a lot of people who are homeless don't want a house, that they are that they are, quote unquote, service resistant, which is a Mm -hmm. term that you hear in the papers and said that they don't want services, that they don't want to get into a shelter bed, that they don't want to get in. And I feel like that that is the biggest myth that we hear on the campaign trail. And I'm always talking about ways in which I can prove to you that that's wrong and that if we actually made beds available, if we made housing available, if we made sure people were able to stay in their house, we would not be in the situation that we're in in Los Angeles. This is not about resistance. This is about lack of provision of services and of tenant protections. That's it. Is that myth kind of born out of like a very narrow thing and then that sort of became the overarching theme in terms of like how the unhoused communities are looked at? Or is it a, is it just a very disingenuous attack from like the people who are like the NIMBY folks or, I d- you know? No, and I, you know, I, I don't think so. Or for the most part, I don't think so. I think, right. of course, there's always people who are, you know, saying this in bad faith. Mm-hmm. But I think for the most part, people have just seen a homelessness crisis that has only grown 
right. in there in especially in the last few years, right? Like our mm-hmm. unhoused population here in LA has gone up by 78% since 2013. Yeah. Jesus. Right? It's just like staggering the amount of growth. And I think people see um individuals living in encampments in their neighborhood that they've seen for years. And they just get into this thing of, oh, okay, well, they don't want to go inside. You know, I'm sure yeah. that I'm paying all these taxes for homeless services. They must be getting the help that they need. And they're saying no. When right. in reality, that's so not the case. Yeah. And you know, one fact I always share with people, which I feel like really really makes people step back is, you know, New York City has a larger population of of people who are homeless, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but so many fewer people who live on the streets because they have the, the number of shelter beds that they need for every person experiencing homelessness in New York. That's wow. part of a court case that was in the city of New York that forces them to do that. And so because of that, you just see much less visible homelessness. Right. And so when you tell people that, you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. And L.A. has less than a quarter of the shelter beds that we need. So a big part of why people are on the streets and continue to be on the streets is because they don't have a place to go. Mm-hmm. And so I think that really it, it really helps to open up the conversation about not about anger towards people who are living on the streets, but anger towards the city that's done wrong by them, Absolutely. of course, but by all of us, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so uh, deeply American to blame the individual rather than the system. Like that just seems to be the way the story that uh, Americans want to tell ourselves. Um, yeah. It's like, yeah. sort of like the worst rhetorical habit we have when engaging in an issue like that. It's, right. it's almost like yeah. it's never like the f- normal. You'd be like, yeah, well, what's wrong with them? And Ben, what is the conditions in which this occurred? Right. Because that is actually more important than. Hey, what's your story? Do you like living on the street? No, there's a, there's a whole path that got there. They got there, and a number of failures occurred on long the way to end up there. And I think, yeah, we just have this lack of wanting to like say our parents are shitty or something that like that the politicians or the country could be better, and then it's better to be like, well, it's got to be them because I'm doing okay, and so that's it's not the system because I'm and- okay in it. Yeah, and I just want to say one thing about Americans, which is this is not an immutable fact about Americans, right? right? Because the campaign has been so successful at pushing back on that. And I feel like people want to push back on that. Right. They yeah. want to believe the best about other humans. And I think they want to be able to respond to this issue and every other issue with with compassion. Most people do. Yeah. And I think if you tell them we have failed in providing evidence-based, compassionate solutions here in Los Angeles, but we can Right. They're like, oh, yes. OK, perfect. Let's do that. You know, they yeah. don't want to be they don't I don't I, I I mean, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't believe that most people felt that way. You know? Right. Yeah. I feel like we've seen things metastasize, like seen some of these beliefs that have been kind of core to the American ethos just metastasize so badly. And also there's sort of a disconnect with younger people and you know, millennials and Gen Z that I, I am really hopeful that that is going to be a relic of of the past, that that idea of like individualism and yeah. the idea that socialism is like a, a bad word. All right. So uh, our writer, JM, was wondering what Halloween is going to look like in 2020. All the big celebrations at theme parks uh, like where you get chased by people dressed as zombies and all that good shit mm-hmm. uh, have already been canceled. 
Yeah. Um, trigger treating. I think a recent poll found that only 27% of parents are planning on taking their kids out this year. Um, there's actually an app that was created by, I think, Mars uh, that is basically virtual trick or treating where you like go around uh, on your phone and get like IOUs for candy from your neighbors, which sounds. Okay. Are they legally binding? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I don't Here's know, man. Thought. Yeah. Here's the thought. This is how we save the post office. We get the IOUs for the candy, you right. put it in the mail, Shipped. ship yeah. it. To the children's houses, save the UBS. Perfect. Yes, everybody get a little Have a Mars huge, bar, little Snickers. Huge rush on shipping the last weekend in October, going into the beginning of November. <laughs> oh, Nothing is happening. Yeah. Oh wait, I take it back because then it's going to be harder for the absentee <laughs> yeah, yeah. to get counted. So. No, wait. I like this. Yeah, watch Trump is like, this is what you're going to do. We're working out. We're working out. Yeah, yeah. Initial, yeah. Hold it for after the election. Piece. You know what I mean? Yeah. The new Halloween, November twenty eighth. Great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, Thanksgiving, Black Friday, Halloween Sunday, or Halloween Saturday. Just oh, hell yeah. Just turn November up. all the way up. Yo. Yeah. But the way the app works is basically neighbors buy credits for their candy, kids collect and redeem at participating stores. So there's never any interaction. Um, mm. And then if then you. Then how do you judge the, the neighbors for the kind <laughs> of candy they give? Uh, Can you I leave mean, comments, like notes, like, man. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm about to redeem this coupon for toothbrushes. Like yeah, on Yelp or some man. shit, right? Yes. And you send them gifts of eggs and toilet paper if if they have the ah, whack yes, candy I, yes, yes. with like three M and M's and a little fun size bag. Um, <laughs> all right, this is my '80s stand up routine. Uh, what's the, What's the deal? Why are they called fun? It's They're less not candy. Fun. They're not fun. Who's it fun Fun's for? Home. <laughs> it's not enough candy to have fun. You want the whole thing. <laughs> 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 old, oh, Seinfeld old Seinfeld bits of this. Did you read uh, his op-ed in the New York Times? I oh boy! Oh boy! Even it was like it was like to imagine. It was so weird because it was like sort of adopting this attitude of like for the people who think New York's dead, look at yourself. This whole city it's built on people picking it up from the ashes and making it better. When I moved here in the late 70s, before the dog's pooper scooper laws, there was dog shit everywhere. I didn't leave. I knew it. And I loved it. And it was like this whole thing about the resilience of New Yorkers, which is true. But like it was it was also aimed at somebody who had said that like New York's dead and like right. I'm going to Florida. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that really that really uh, really Pissed got him off. fired yeah. up. But then yeah. it's also like, my man, like you, you have so much money. Like you have a like a gilded palace in the sky in which you look down upon Manhattan, like from right. versus like you're not elbow to elbow with people like on the metro or some shit like that, you know. So, uh, but if it's but I think deserted, for many New Yorkers, he doesn't get to view everybody as ants, you know? Right. There yeah. are people. It turns out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, it was interesting because I, I, while I was like, okay, I get the feeling, like I felt like New York Twitter, like it was very split. Like a lot of people, were like this is the shit, man. Thank you. And then like Jack Posobiec, the fucking right wing troll, was sort of like, uh, Jerry Seinfeld's a billionaire, and it was like, what? Okay, yeah. granted, but like, okay, so now you found the same take as leftist Twitter. Congrats. Uh, so you did it's it. all, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they accidentally hit on the truth every once in a while. Um, yeah, it's always funny when they're like, right. Mm. It's usually in response to like a Hollywood like celebrity doing something. Right, but it's like somehow the other billionaires, you're like, no, they're they're okay. Like right. what they're trying to do is create liberty in this country. Right, yes. 
One trend uh, that originated in Japan and seems to be, at least people are trying it out here, are drive-through haunted houses where... That sounds kind of lit. Yeah. I mean, judging from the pictures, it basically looks like a reverse car wash where people just like smear your windshield with fake blood. <laughs> but it's, But they... I don't know. I I would be freaked out. I actually went to, that was what I did with my kids this weekend, is took them to a car wash, and that was thoroughly entertaining. So, I, Oh, I'm yeah, sure, we could drive through. Yeah. I'm That's sure a thing. Like A reverse car wash would be even better. Who, when you're in there, I also feel like if you're real jumpy, like you'd be like, sir, turn your car off and please put the keys in this plate so there's you don't errantly run over the characters during the <laughs> yeah. drive-through reverse car wash yeah Facts. yeah because all, yes. all it takes one person to not really be on top of shit and you have a real fucked up haunted house situation right. like it would need there. to be like a a car wash where you're on the like, like a thing track. That on the takes track, you yeah. through but even then in neutral yeah and even because i remember one of the first times in high school i got in one of those things i was like don't i leave it in drive like it's not going and like accelerate. i was like oh <laughs> shit I almost rear-ended this escalate i was like no 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 no, no. this ain't it yeah, based on the pictures, it looks like you just drive into a little uh, storage container. People just roll up to your car and uh, act like zombies and paw at your window. And then it's like, all right, you can oh, okay. you can leave now. Okay, um, so it's like uh, having a BLM sign in your car going through like a, a conservative rally or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, 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 all lives back to the blue. Uh-huh, okay. Thank you. You're smearing my car with your hot sauce and mustard. All right. Let's take uh, another break and we'll be right back. And we're back. Finally, what is a myth? What's something uh, people think is true you know to be false? That uh, entertainers are artists. Okay. Oh man, yeah. Tell them, <laughs> tell them about that one. By the way, I love every time you're the guest, just watching you uh, figure out what your myth and overrated and underrated is. It's like you like have like three ideas that are entertaining before you land on the like, on the mm, one you want to go. Let's with. do this one. Yeah, <laughs> that, <laughs> that, is, very, that is how that is did how you, my brain works. It's fun you, that you guys can see it. Did you have that evolution of looking at entertainers as artists and like sort of mystifying that and then realizing like, what the f no, like these are different things or like creating a myth, like a mysticism around the idea of being an entertainer or artist. Cause I know I had these like perceptions of what that meant that I had to very quickly let go of, like as I got older and started like doing my own work. Yeah. I think it was a lot of like, you have this idea of, they misuse those words a lot. Right. And then in like and in country music they have this thing called entertainer of the year which I think is as I got older is like that's the most appropriate worded award I've ever right. seen. Because like and I, it hit me cuz it was like Garth Brooks. He kept winning it. <laughs> and then mm -hmm. as you get older you realize like this motherfucker's all over the place opinion wise. <laughs> If you if you follow his catalog or like what he's saying or anything, you're like, I don't think I don't know what he really. It's just all over the place, <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then you just realize like he's an entertainer. He's right. gonna do anything, hop around and you know, and he's wearing whatever 
town jersey he's in playing that arena he's gonna pant you know that that's it you start realizing like oh that's a this is a all this is a business decision showman yeah Mm. so that's and i don't think if i didn't get into doing what i do because i would have ever put those together in a way that's me saying it on a podcast as meaningful as I said it because <laughs> I wouldn't care. But right. I think everybody, you come to a point when you're doing, when you're putting your name on something that are your ideas, you have to make that decision. Like, is this for money or is this for this? Right. Or am I doing all this for money? <laughs> right. You know, so. I think it was just something I had to my my point of view of it was like I made a point where I was like as long as I admit to myself what I'm doing and to everybody else as long as I'm clear of like this is for this and this is my <laughs> point of view right. and I'm transparent about it then we're fine. It was the melding right, of right. like artist and entertainer where you're like nah you're just selling shit man that, and that's fine but don't don't yeah. lie to me. Yeah, don't fuck up the definition like that. Because it's like, yeah, there's a lot of quotes that go around where someone someone famously said, there's like, you know, in previous eras, people became famous for their achievements. And now we live in an era where fame is the achievement. Right. And it's not really about these people actually breaking new ground and doing things. It's just like face du jour, you know, like entity du jour that we're all like we're all obsessed with. And the art thing is also really interesting too, because yeah, like when you create shit, you really do have to have a moment where in any creative process, you have that self edit thing happening in your head and you have to be careful of who that, what that self edit is representing. Is it your, is it your perception of what the, how the audience is going to take something you're going to say? And then are you changing it because you want to do something that satisfies the audience? Or are you making a creative decision because you're an artist and you're, this is a matter of your own self-expression. It's not the you're not you're not sort of fixated on the outcome of how it's received when you're making art because you're like, this is merely the medium in which I express myself in. Now, certain certain mediums like, yeah, like you can't just go up there and say some wild shit or do some wild shit and be like, that's my art. Uh, but like on another level, when you like really have these creations that you, you know, are molding yourself like that really does come into it. Of Like, what am I? What is it for? Who is it for? And why am I doing it? I think it's interesting to think about the whole thing on a continuum, like, Mm -hmm. you know, because there are some people who get into entertainment, but are more artists and then they like don't fit necessarily like Andre 3000, I think of as somebody who's like an artist, but the demands of being like an entertainer, like don't necessarily mesh with him, which is why he hasn't like put out an album. Garth is an entertainer. But I've always said Chris Gaines is the artist, right? right. Yeah. Right. Um, I think that that goes without saying. That's yeah, why that, he had to do that. Yeah. The uh, last I don't even does... know if that's a joke because I can't even. Because <laughs> you're not. I don't think in. I think in some way you're fucking right. I think that's the way he views that. <laughs> right. But right. I do. I do love the entertainer versus artist. Like uh, Last Culturistas has actress or movie star and. Uh, who weekly has a who versus them. I think uh artist versus, enter- versus entertainer is a really good uh good conversation starter. We might have to uh 
make that a podcast. <laughs> well, my thing is too, like what Miles said is like the fame as a reward is also phony because that's misleading because you, us three right now could pool our money together and buy a publicist and that publicist can make the three of us whatever bullshit trio we came up <laughs> right. with. Right, right. And make us fucking famous. And people could be like, I don't understand what it is these guys do. <laughs> right, right. And we're like, what we do is we hire a, we pay a publicist uh, right. this amount of money each month. And they keep us in the fucking rags or whatever system. And now you guys talk about the fucking dingbat trio. Right. Yeah. And then, and then people, and if it keeps going long enough, we come up with some bullshit to do live so people just come to see what it is. And it's like they have a cow on stage and one of them milks it. It's weird. <laughs> the other guy's juggling a soccer ball while smoking a blunt. <laughs> it's exactly. And the one dude, I don't even think he knows what's going on. But it works. And I will give them $50 every time they come to Poughkeepsie. Right, right, right. The other guy's like the dancer from a. Uh... Mighty Mighty Boston's, but there's no music playing. He's just dancing with headphones just on the whole time. Just, yeah. that, that would be my, that's my role. All right, that's going to do it for this week's weekly Zeitgeist. Please like and review the show if you like the show. Uh, means the world to Miles. He, he needs your validation, folks. Uh, I hope you're having a great weekend, and I will talk to you Monday. Bye.